2: Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 22nd of September. You're on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hannah,
0: And I'm Pierre Morrow and it's, uh, Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia, Asia Worker Links and... <coughs> cough still there thanks to um well the team really there was a whole gaggle of people that's beforehand. right
2: it's really nice so- to see um a lot of people up early on a saturday morning Co- haven't had that at 3cr for a
0: while cooperation that's what we want and collectivity <laughs> and the music they played was uh, killed the Poor" by dead kennedy so i hope that you enjoyed that head banging uh, type of music and i'm sure uh, for some of you older listeners would know exactly wh- what i mean for some of the younger people like giselle would go what the hell is Pierre talking about? But anyway, don't worry, I'll tell you about the Dead Kennedys afterwards. <laughs> but
2: that's also because I don't know anything about music. That is not the skill I bring to Asia-Pacific I, I don't know anything
0: about music either, but I know about the Dead Kennedys, you see. It's it's cold being old. <laughs> anyway, if you want to contact Asia-Pacific Currents, not really for music knowledge, but for how workers are organised in the Asia-Pacific region,
2: that's right. You can find us on the web, allthews.aawl.org.au. You can email us at aawl at A-A-W-L dot org dot A-U. And, of course, we're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms. When you do go to our website, you will notice that we – are still struggling to get our mini news up, but we are posting all of the news and current affairs to Facebook and Twitter, so go there. Um, But we are, I'm pleased to say, we're a little bit closer to getting that website repaired.
0: Excellent. And on today's program, around quarter past uh, nine o'clock after the usual news roundup from the region, we'll be talking to Jennifer Binagas from Movement Against Tyranny (coughs) from the Philippines about, uh, and she'll give us an update on what's happening with President Duterte and uh, all that um, terrible uh, mass killings that are happening there over the last two years. So that'll be in the second half of the year, but we'll go straight to the... the, um, the, the news item, sorry, we just sort of stopped, the light just came on. I think we've got... Uh, okay, uh, the
2: listeners don't need to know. Moving on, news from around the regions, region. We're going to start in Korea. Uh, last week, Seng Yong Motor President Choi Jung-sik visited a memorial in Seoul Central District to pay respect to Kim Joo-jung. Uh, He was a dismissed employee of the company who killed himself in June. It's the first visit to a memorial by a representative of the company since 2009 when the workers' occupation of the Sung Yong factory was brutally repressed and almost 2,000 workers were fired. Kim Joo-jung was the 30th dismissed worker to pass away since 2009. This visit has raised hope among many of the dismissed Sung Yong workers. While management has not made any concrete proposals, the Korean Metal Workers' Union, Sung Chapter, has continued staging rallies and demonstrations, insisting that all of the dismissed workers should be reinstated according to the original 2009 agreement. It is really extraordinary the longevity of these disputes and the memory. I don't think any uh, workers in disputes in Australia would remember the detail of a 2009 dispute. It's nine years ago.
0: That's right. It, it's, it's continuing. I, I think it's just one of those fascinating... Uh Different cultural, political, and social aspects that make uh, this uh, area so interesting, and of course, the Sangyong workers, I think, were a recipient of possibly uh, two Red Stars over the years because of their efforts. And if anyone actually doesn't know about the 2009 Sangyong uh, occupation of the factory, just Google it. It's um, quite incredible. Anyway, we now go to a terrible um, news item from the Philippines: the massive rains of Typhoon Mangut earlier. Um, last week wreaked havoc among poor working class community in the northern part of Luzon Island, the Philippines' biggest island. Now, worst hit was the small mining community near Autocon Town, where a massive landslide is thought to have killed over 50 miners and their families. Many are still trapped under tons of mud. The miners were working in uh, illegal gold mines, often diseased ones left by big mining companies. Poverty and lack of jobs have forced thousands of workers over the last decade to try their luck in earning a living by digging for gold. Unfortunately, these workers toil in very unsafe and unregulated environments and early reports indicate that the mountainside collapsed due to the deforestation of its vegetation and the many tunnels that had been dug within it.
2: And in India, in another shocking example of gross health and safety negligence, four workers died while another was critically injured earlier this month when they went in to clean a septic tank in the outer suburbs of the Indian capital of New Delhi. Reports indicate that the workers were not trained for that type of work or had been provided with any protective gear. Other workers have reported that some of the dead workers have been threatened by management that they'd be fired from their jobs if they refused to do the maintenance work. I mean, this is consistent with all of the um, the sewerage workers that actually have to crawl into the... Um, sewers and conduct maintenance and died from fumes yeah, in that too
0: it 's incredible the, the 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 common thread of uh, unhealthy environment and, and lack of safety equipment is just a, a real scourge for workers all around the world that 's the only word I can use. Um, We now go to to Turkey, where Turkish workers continue to fight against union busting. Um, Since being dismissed from their jobs in mid-April of this year while organising a union at Kargil, Turkey's corn milling facility in Bursa, Orangazi, 14 union activists have not stopped organising against their treatment. Unfortunately, this is not the first time Kargil management in Turkey has fired labour activists. In 2015, a court ruled that workers were unfairly dismissed for trying to organise a union in the same plan, though these workers never got their jobs back. There is now an international campaign organised by the RUF to pressure Cargill to reinstate these 14 workers and to allow workers to organise independently. Unfortunately, Giselle, this is another very common uh, story for um, workers around the world.
2: And still in Turkey, last weekend, around 600 Turkey construction workers were detained by police and gendarmes after the workers carried out mass actions in protest at the deadly working conditions at the site of the new Istanbul Grand Airport. Thousands of workers downed their tools and angrily protested after a shuttle bus accidentally left 17 of their fellow workers injured. Uh, sorry, an accident of the shuttle bus left those workers injured. The incident was the latest in a raft of industrial accidents at the site, with officially at least 35 workers killed in the last four years. Workers describe this workplace as a graveyard due to the lack of basic safety protections and pressure from the government and the contractor to open the giant airport by the end of October. Reports indicate that many of the workers detained by the police were tortured while in custody, while the Dev Yupp-ish Union has reported that hundreds more have been dismissed.
0: Um, should I say that's another very common occurrence, uh, Giselle? Um, that's very, very um, sad what's happening, of course. Um, you it, know,
2: it, I mean, it does make the point, though. I know that um, it, it can sometimes seem like not a very deep analysis to say, oh, this applies to workers everywhere, except it does demonstrate that capitalism is global, and it's the way that it operates and the way that it exploits and the way that it kills is the same. So when we talk about the new gig economy and the new, and, and then people are trying to understand how capitalism has developed, actually it hasn't. Actually it does exactly what it has always done. And these new words like the precariat and those sorts of things detract from what it will actually take to fight back. And these are kind of liberal, social democratic ways to basically not smash capitalism.
0: That's right. In actual fact, the precariat is actually not even a new word. It's actually, um, it was in vogue, I don't know, 100 years ago, exactly for the same uh, reason as it, it's come back now. Um, we um, now go to West Asia, where a report has just become available that details that over 27,000 27, migrant workers were arrested in Oman during during last year. Now, this figure works out to over 500 arrests of migrant workers per week. The majority of these workers, over 20,000, came from Bangladesh with Pakistani nationals um, around 3,000 and Indian nationals around 2,000, the next biggest communities. Almost 60% of workers were arrested for absconding from work. They were probably um, running away from terrible uh, uh, working conditions. Um, Another 30% because they were fired and the rest because they had the wrong visa type. As these figures show, as in many other countries, the migrant workers are in a highly vulnerable position and open to exploitation due to their precarious visa status. In line with other countries in West Asia facing increasingly economic pressures, Oman has also announced that it will phase out the use of migrant workers. And I think it will be interesting to see over the next, Um, few years with uh, the less uh, use of migrant workers, given they were a super exploited uh, uh, part of the the workforce, how the the local um, workers are going to go and whether that super exploitation is also going to happen or whether wages and conditions will need to rise. But that's the end of the news roundup. We'll go to a committee announcement and then we'll be back with Jennifer Binigas from Movement Against Tyranny to talk about what's happening in the Philippines.
2: I often feel the only thing standing between us falling off that precipice and actually fighting our way back up the top of the hill is the trade union movement. I really believe
1: that.
2: We have the numbers, we have the commitment, we have the heart, we have the will to really fight. And the only way we're going to win that fight is to grow the union movement. That was Jed Carney Talking Up Union. Stay tuned to 3CR for more union news. 855 on your AM dial or 3CR.org.au. It's This is James Henry here and you're listening to 3CR, 8.55am and digital
0: streaming on 3cr.org.au. It's just on uh, 12 um, past nine o'clock here on Asia Pacific Current, uh, brought to you every week by Australia-Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station. And um, as uh, mentioned um, earlier earlier, on. We are um, very um, happy to be able to bring you an um, update from the Philippines and we've got Jenica, Jennifer Binegas from Movement Against Tyranny. Good morning Jennifer, how are you?
1: Good morning Pierre
0: and well, thanks, how are you? I'm very good thank you very much. Well thank you for agreeing to be interviewed on our um, program and um, before we go on uh, about uh, the actual issue of what's happening uh, in the Philippines an update. Maybe you can just um, give us a very quick uh, summation about what uh, movement against tyranny is in the Philippines, how long it's been operating, and what are, are its objectives.
1: Um, it has actually been formed last year by various human rights and uh, national democratic organizations back in the Philippines, as well as their chapters outside or um, international. But um, basically it is for an alliance form to fight against the ongoing quote-unquote tyranny by the current administration or Duterte's administration. So it is forwarding the or making Duterte accountable and accountable to his presidential promises last 2016 in relation to the ending corruption, having an independent foreign policy, um, addressing the socioeconomic problems back in the Philippines, which it looks like he already forgotten those promises. So the movement against tyranny has actually been formed to um, make sure that Duterte does hold on to his promises. And make him accountable to, um, in relation to the war on drugs
0: problem. All right, well, thank you for that. And um, it's good that you've mentioned the war on drugs because so called President Duterte's so called war on drugs, in inverted commas, ha- has killed um, over 20,000 people in just over two years. Now, is, is this repression still ongoing currently?
1: Unfortunately, it is still ongoing. The Philippine National Police has intensified the war on drugs operations uh, following the president's reaffirmation of the campaign on his State of the Nation address last July. In fact, just last month, another fatality has been reported by Carapatan, human rights organization back in the Philippines, where the victim has been accused of illegal drug possession and died while in police custody. The victim was able to send messages to his family prior to his death, saying how he was beaten and how he was forced to withdraw cash. So the family believes he was beaten to death, but they have no proof at all. So Yes, at this stage, it is still ongoing, and there are no signs that the war on drugs will stop anytime soon
0: and um what you've just said about the 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 fact that people uh, there was obviously evidence that he was being beaten this person um and there's been countless cases where it is obvious that unarmed people have somehow died while in police custody or under the military rule has anyone actually been charged or convicted for any of these 20,000 plus murders?
1: There is one case where in just January this year, four police officers were charged with the murder for the death of Kian de los Santos, a 17-year-old boy who was killed during a drug raid in August last year. The police being charged is is actually very rare, but Because of that case, there was a strong evidence that has been presented. It is a CCTV footage which shows the actual murder. And so there was no denying that the police has murdered Kian, and it caused a huge public uproar. But in saying that, though, I am not aware of any other charges against the police or even what we call the death squads. If there are any, it would be really few and far in between, and the police maintain that their operations are, quote-unquote, constitutional and legal, and with the support from the president himself, it would be difficult to get a conviction regarding these cases.
0: I mean, obviously, from what you've just said and from what we've uh, heard and, and uh, reported before, there's obviously an almost total climate of impunity for these uh, murders. So can you describe us the, the feeling, the situation among the people who live in these urban working class communities where the majority of these deaths have occurred and where these death squads operate?
1: Mm, um Definitely the people are more alarmed with the rising number of murders because of the war on drugs. When it started, it instilled fear, causing people living in these communities to be wary of their surroundings. But now they are aware that the war on drugs campaign does not solve the fundamental socioeconomic problems that have allowed the drug trade to thrive in the first place. So a lot of the communities who have witnessed many of these killings, um, especially the families of the big victims, have actually come together to fight for justice and accountability, and call to end, call to end Duterte's war on drugs.
0: And um, and why do you think uh, Duterte has managed to remain, at least from what we can see and what we can read, has remained has managed to remain so popular? Even though, I mean, even if you were uh, supportive of ending the so-called scourge of drugs uh, and you were against the use of drugs, we are actually talking about mass murders, which you would think is actually quite a different thing.
1: Um, Although his popularity, it is already declining, but it is true that there is is still a significant percentage of Duterte's supporters. Uh, This is most likely because they still hold on to his promises when he ran for president last 2016. He presented a campaign platform which aimed at people's needs. He promised to do away with corruption, um, have an independent foreign policy, end labor contractualization, engage in peace talks, etc., all of which are addressing the, the Filipino people's economic issues, which is definitely a first for a presidential candidate in the Philippines. So the significant support he gained during his presidential win is definitely declining, but his remaining supporters still want to believe in his promises, which is why he still remains um, popular at this point in time, even amidst the mass murders because of his war on drugs campaign.
0: Um thank you um for that um
2: but in addition to his popularity because of those demands that he made is, is, is surely it's also the case that there is such a propaganda machine that has convinced people that um the, that drugs is a problem and that um there there needs to be some action i I mean his war on drugs the the extrajudicial killings of these people is something that it looks like is broadly accepted by the Filipino population or have I misread that?
1: I don't think that it is something widely accepted by the Filipino people. They know that drugs is definitely a problem but if we look at it in this way, um, what I was saying a while ago was that he was trying to address um, most of the economic issues by the Filipino people and they think that okay, Duterte is also solving the War on drugs, which they think, uh, which is being, um, uh, being, I guess, sold or being, uh, being sold by Duterte as cleaning the Filipino people of drugs. So they think that it is something that needs to be done along with the actual addressing of the economic issues. I wouldn't think that they would. Ac- they are accepting of this war on drugs campaign, but they think that, okay, because the, drug, uh, the war on drugs actually also causes poverty, also causes um, corruption, so they think that, yeah, we can definitely accept this. But as I said a while ago, they are more aware now that the war on drugs is actually um, doesn't not really solve or answer the root problem of the poverty in the Philippines in the first
0: place that's right we we totally agree with that um, Jennifer, now um, you've you've um, you've talked about uh, a lot about what the general population thinks about that. And look, and I might be wrong, but the Philippines have has a has had a history of um, a lot of active civil society organisations. Quite, um, they've got a history of activism. But it seems that many of these labour and human rights organisations have been slow in speaking up against this um, campaign by the death squads in the war of of drugs. Is is that correct, or have I just not seen the publicity, the campaigning, organising they've been doing over the last two years?
1: I don't think that opposition to the death squads has been slow, but I guess, um, like what Giselle has um, said earlier, um, the... There is a misinformation, I would say, that the Filipino citizen or the Filipino people are actually accepting of the accepting the war on drugs campaign. So however, even in saying that, I don't think that the opposition to the Death Squad has been slow. Ever since the war on drugs started, leading human rights and labor groups have voiced out their opposition against this drug campaign because they know that it would not solve the fundamental socioeconomic economic um, issues in the Philippines, which actually caused the drug trade to, um, to thrive in the Philippines. In fact, the campaign to oppose extrajudicial killings have never ceased, um, and the alliance rise up for life and for rights. Um, has even been formed by people's organisations, uh, which focuses on seeking justice for victims and their families and demands accountability as well as lead the campaign against extrajud- extrajudicial killings and the war on drugs.
2: Well, it's uh, you said a few things that I really want to pick up on because I think they're very important points. The first one is... Um, We've always thought and said, and I think it's consistent with what you're saying too, this war on drugs is just a furphy. It's an, it's an excuse to unleash a reign of terror on the Filipino people uh, in terms of control in this particular point in history and economic crisis. So if the population is that scared, it's a very good uh, tool of social control. And we do know that the war, the, the war on drugs um, is really about eliminating any political opposition. So it does target the left, it targets unions, it targets human rights um, activists and all of the other groups that you campaign and work with. Um, and I liked that you also said that the... the 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 campaign against extrajudicial killings has been ongoing. We know under Arroyo, um, huge numbers of the left were killed. Where is this at now? Are we still seeing these human rights activists and these unionists being targeted? And how is the um, campaign against the extrajudicial killings being politicised in relation to what it's really about, which is eliminating political dissent?
1: Um. It is still definitely ongoing actually um that's why there was the rise of for life and rights uh alliance that was formed the movement against tyranny alliance was also formed um to focus on the not just the actual um uh issues with the current administration's um Oh, sorry. With the current issues under the current administration, but um, just last we no, just this week, September 18 to 19, there was an international people's tribunal that was held in Brussels, Brussels in Belgium, um, which was convened by the International Association of Democratic Lawyers, convicting. Duterte of grave crimes, as well as the other of grave crimes. So this is not just the war on drugs, but also um, the extrajudicial killings, which are targeting the left. So this campaign is definitely advancing amid the number of supporters, which Duterte still has
0: that's um, that's great to to hear and we certainly um, you know wish all the very best and it's you know it's great to hear that um, groups like movement against tyranny have have brought uh, more groups uh, together and, and there is an ongoing uh, campaign to to um, to uh, to to try and stop uh, these these killings and the whole uh, uh, increasing tyranny in the, in the Philippines. As a last um, question, from an international perspective, um, what do you think human and labour right groups can can do to to help uh, um, the situation in the Philippines?
1: Um, definitely, we need support of um, organisations in joining the campaign against the war on drugs and also the campaign against the extrajudicial killing and um also educating people of the actual situation in the philippines so apart from activities events and forums in the philippines and outside international um It is gaining momentum. The actual campaign is gaining momentum and having more support from other organizations will really help. Um, Actually, this afternoon, we do have a forum at the Unitarian Church from 2 to 5 p.m. to discuss about the national situation in the Philippines, which is being likened to the previous Uh, dictatorship of the Marcus era back in the 70s. So if anyone is actually interested to go... you are very welcome
0: to do so. All right. Well, thanks for that, Jennifer. Um, That's right. There is a forum uh, uh, this afternoon between 2 and 5 p.m. at the Unitarian Church in uh, Grey Street in uh, East Melbourne, and that's uh, open to the public. So uh, everyone is welcome to go. Um, All right. Well, uh, we've come to the end of the program, uh, Jennifer. All the very best. I hope that the forum uh, goes well this afternoon. And um, please express our best wishes and solidarity to all the comrades back in the Philippines.
1: Okay, thank you, Giselle. Thank you, Pierre.
0: All right, bye-bye. Bye. And uh, you've just been uh, hearing from Jennifer Vinegas from Movement Against Tyranny about the opposition to the ongoing uh, uh, war on drugs and the mass murders in the Philippines. It's just on 29 past nine o'clock, Giselle. We've come to an end of another um, fun-filled program of uh, Asia-Pacific. Well, I would say of very interesting news and analysis, but that's we've really got to go.
2: Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday from 9 o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. I'm Giselle Hanna.
0: And I'm Pierre Morrow.
2: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.